All right. Shelley. Welcome to the uh, Future Work Town Council regular meeting. Uh, we have an agenda in front of us and we should adopt it. Are there any additions or deletions to this agenda? Mrs. McQuig. I have none, sir. The acting CAO may have information on that. Okay. Hearing none, can we get a motion to Make it official. Councillor Good, all in favor? I'm in favor. Perfect. Um, we also have a set of minutes uh, from February 28th's regular council meeting. And of course, everyone read them as usual. Is there anything that needs in any changes or updates needed to those minutes? Hearing none, motion to accept the minutes as presented. All in favor? All right, unanimous once again. Uh, I see no public hearings, but we do have some presentations. So first up is the library. So as you wonderful people do come and have a seat, uh, please use your mic for the recording and you can state your names for the record as well for others listening in, please. Good evening, Deputy Mayor Scamahorn. My name is Johanna Downing. I'm the chair for the Peace River Municipal Library. And with me is, I'm Channing Stenhouse. I'm the library director at the Peace River Municipal Library. So, uh, Mr. Scanahorn, we have a presentation um, on uh, USB, and Jim is logged in here. Did we want to put it on there and project, or, or it allows us time is like no. Uh, so, uh, but we could at least go through it on this, and you can follow along with what was submitted. It's completely the same. Am I correct about that, Channing? Sure. Yeah. yeah, and if anybody, like, you do have the virtual copy yeah. in front of you? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Do Just we... make a beeping sound when we change slides, oh, and fun. we will follow along. Goodness. All right, good to know. Okay, so do we want to just operate from the paper? Okay, why don't we do that? Okay, perfect. Oh, boy. <laughs> For those of you listening in, maybe there's an IT opening here at the town. <laughs> Uh, I do apologize, it's a pretty small font because mine is uh, a quarter scale, so I'll do my best to make sure that we're... Can everybody hear me okay? Cool. Okay. Well, thank you again for having us. But uh, um, So on our first slide, just a little bit of welcome, Chancellor Johanna and I to introduce ourselves. Also let you know we have a couple of staff members out in the audience as well who decided to just see how things go and very happy to have them come along for support. Um, so on page two, which is... <coughs> Yes, labeled page two. Um, we have a little bit of review in the review for 2021. Um, so uh, left-hand column gives us some year totals, and then the right-handed column is uh, monthly averages because there are some things um, like cardholders where people expire, they renew. It's better to get that data from an average rather than a, a you know a specific count on a specific day. Um, so we're looking at about 35,000 items loaned, 9,000 downloads of e-content, uh, 18,000 visits, um, 6,000 questions answered, uh, you know, 5,000 uh, program participants. And then the monthly averages, you know, we're serving about um, 650 cardholders, which is service to about three times as many people, about 1,500 people a month. Um, this last year, we hosted 16 programs a month, so every two days, and uh, we had every month about 240 kid to child participants, uh, 15 teen participants, and uh, 172 adult participants. Um, so our next slide is a little bit about the now times. Um, so with the pandemic, of course, nobody wants to hear this anymore, but we did have challenges as well as some successes. So some of the challenges we faced are probably very familiar to everyone. 
um, things like forced closures. So last year we were forced closed, uh, I think it was July, sorry, January and February. We were open for uh, March plus a week, I think, and then we were forced closed again until June. Um, and so forced closures, we also had some staff shortages, um, mostly because of self-isolating requirements, as well as, you know, we did have a little bit of staff changeover in the summer. And um, as well, you know, then just dealing with the safety protocols and getting uh, public compliance and the result of all of that being that morale took a little bit of a hit. And so we were trying to manage for that as well. It's probably very familiar to everyone. Um, but amongst that, we did also have some successes. So um, we implemented in 2020 a grab and go service that we continued in 2021 and is still available even today now that we're back open. Um, we also, uh, not new news to you, but we did, uh, to some of you who weren't here last year, um, we implemented uh, a no more late fee initiative. So our library is no longer charging late fees. So when material is um, late, it eventually, and you get, you get your reminders to still return it, um, but there's no late fees. Eventually, if it's gone for too long, it becomes lost and you have to pay for replacement costs. Um, but not late fees. So the, the atmosphere is no longer punitive, um, which has been a really, uh, that was a really great boost to morale, um, both for patrons and uh, for uh, library staff. Um, we, uh, in the last year, uh, again, with people not being able to come in, we implemented a take-home board games uh, initiative. Um, it started with just 15 games, but I think we're probably double that at this point just as it takes time to catalog things. Um, originally, we were worried about pieces going missing, but we have not found that to be an issue. So we're really happy that this uh, program, we're planning to expand it. I'm pretty sure we've got about 80 board games. We're just, it's just taking us a little bit of time to get them all, all uh, cataloged for us. Um, then we had, uh, to deal with morale, we had the 2021 Library Olympics, um, which it, it was. Um, which was really, you know, just in honor of the Olympics that we had last year uh, and knowing that our staff needed a boost. Um, one of my, my team members and I, in secret, we designed the Library Olympics, which included um, the skills of, you know, how, how fast are you racing the library carts? Um, how, uh, how well can you push books away while you're still trying to keep a balloon in the air and, and shelf at the same time? And uh, we actually took this program and we challenged all of the libraries across the Peace Library system. It was something that they could, we, we basically gave them uh, the instructions and they could do everything on their own. We had some of our fellow libraries come to do the task, as well as we opened it to uh, boards, library boards. So our board also submitted a team. Um, and uh, it was just a really great way to bring everybody's morale up. And uh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, you tied in one event until we had a tiebreaker, and, and yeah, that's, that's something. They participated. They were the only board that participated, so they still get a lot of credit for that. Thanks. Um, uh, we also held our first book sale. Um, we, we've always had a sale wrap, but we decided to do an actual sale um, for a couple of weeks in November, so prior to Christmas, so people had a, a green and uh, reusable gift initiative um, for, for their gift giving. And I think we had about, it was probably between three and 4,000 books donated from the community. Um, and then of that, it was a pick your own price event. And uh, we raised more money in that book event, in that book sale, than we normally do with our book sales all year. So we were really happy with that and planning to keep that again going in the future. Um, and then uh, we also implemented a couple of things like our free little libraries, which is take a book, leave a book to different locations in town. And uh, we did a couple of community story walks, which is basically uh, placards of a, a, a storybook so that parents could walk along the dike you know, with their children and read a story. Uh, so it was again, a really good initiative for the social distance. So it was a challenging year, but I think we had a fair number of successes nevertheless. And so if you take a look at the next page, you can kind of see how some of these things um, played out and were received by the community, as well as I think these are just some really great stories to demonstrate the value that um, community members get out of the library. Um, so our first story is a little bit of return for savings. We had a patron, you know, you, you notice people when they're in most days, and uh, we hadn't, we'd seen there was a family missing. They hadn't been in for a while, and one of the staff members bumped into them at the co-op. 
they got to chatting and learned about the No More Late Fees initiative, and that was the barrier for this family. Um, it was that they couldn't afford the late fees, you know, with everything, people being out of work from the pandemic, all of that. They couldn't come in, their kids couldn't come in, um, and that's why they weren't using us. As soon as they learned that the late fees were gone, they were back. And so um, that initiative was billed as something that was designed to lift up, you know, um, families with young children, to lift up people who are dealing with poverty, and that's exactly what we're seeing it do. Um, Moving Muscle, this is just a, another thank you to our wonderful volunteers. So we moved, uh, as part of our uh, pandemic response, we moved a bunch of furniture off site so we could socially distance and not have to clean as much stuff. And when it came time to put everything back together again, uh, we had 14 volunteers show up that day. So big thanks to the folks that did that. Thank you. Um, we, uh, so another thing I think that I just want to dispel is sometimes we get the sense that youth don't appreciate the library, they don't use it. Um, there's, a, there's a rumor out there, there's a myth that that is the case. Um, and uh, this summer, almost every day, we had two teens who were in, um, like at the open of the door. They're at the door, 10 o'clock, you know, there was one day I think we opened two minutes late, and they're like, you're late. And uh, they'd come in and use the library, and the one day, um, the older sibling, was without the younger one I asked why are you know where's your brother today the story was that the the brother couldn't come because he hadn't finished his chores yet so it's like tell me more about this and they had to do chores every day to earn their library privileges so these are teenagers <laughs> so I just want to go ahead and say we do have teens using the library um, we had the event last week um, the bowling event you know we had uh, I think we had 12 volunteers there and of those 12 10 were youth so there is definitely a youth, youth in the library and participating. Um, and then the last one was um, we had a patron who uh, had a bunch of lost book fees and uh, Move Up Magazine did a promotion where they were uh, handing out free, uh, free live, they were providing out free memberships, gift certificates. And when they found out that this uh, patron, this, this young mother was struggling, um, they stepped forward to pay for some of her lost book fees, recognizing the value that the library had for her family. Um, and then I had another patron who must have known about the situation who actually stepped forward to pay the remainder. So I was able to call this this uh, this young mother and tell her that she is welcome back at the library. Her, her fees have been cleared, they've been paid for by community members. And uh, she actually cried you know, in gratitude when um, she received the news. So her and her son are, are both back at library so um, I just wanted to share those stories because I think it, it just really does demonstrate the value that the community um, gets from the library um, so on our next page um, if you're more of a numbers person than a stories person um, so these are some of our numbers from uh, the last three years at the top we have 2019 and then 2020 and 2021 um, so you can see that uh, the, the numbers show that, you know, we are lagging 2019, but I think it's very, it's, that's a very reasonable expectation um, given what we've been going through the last two years, what we've all experienced. Um, we're definitely up from 2020 and considering the fact that, you know, with our loans, with our visits, looking at those numbers and considering the fact that we were mandated closed for four months last year, I, I am very happy with those numbers. I'm certain that, you know, this year, Fingers crossed, we are finally into a, new, a more normal cycle. I'm certain that we're going to be uh, back at our 2019, uh, 2019 levels. And then, um, of course, I forgot that sticky note, but I did take a look at uh, um, our data over the last two weeks compared to the beginning of this year. Um, and I think just to compare Saturdays, our the first Saturday of the year, we had 68 patrons in. Um, our last Saturday, I think it was 243. So just to give you a sense of, you know, the difference between now and then, I'm, I'm truly, truly quite confident that it's going to be a great year. Um, so this next little piece, of course, we've been very busy. And I apologize for taking so much of your time. I thank you for giving me this much time. Um, this is the year that uh, the library has to do a, uh, has a plan of service. It's basically our strategic guiding document. And um, we have been putting it off, putting it off because of the pandemic. Um, but we have to. We had to do it this year in order to get our provincial funding. 
And so um, our 2022 to 2024 plan of service um, is, uh, is in effect and it has been, and I think everybody should have a copy of that. Okay. Yep. Um, we did update our vision and our mission as well as our service responses. So the things that we'll be planning to focus on for the next three years, um, these were things that were identified by the community. Uh, so we did some engagements with some different leadership groups, community groups uh, through surveys. And then as well, uh, we had several, couple of surveys working for our staff and our board, and then we had a work through report on this. Um, so we'll be focusing on celebrating diversity, um, knowing your community, which is really making connections for the resources that the community has in navigating different services for people. Um, and then some that were a holdover, so satisfying curiosity, that was one that had been identified in the previous reporting period. Um, in addition to this, though, I just do want to let people know that this wasn't necessarily the, uh, there were a couple of other things that were identified as important to the community. Um, the number one priority for the library actually being um, to create young readers. However, the, the number of people who said, you know, you should be creating young readers was actually surpassed by the number of people who said, you're doing a good job at that. <laughs> so we're not going to focus on the things that we're doing well at. We're going to keep those things going. We're aware that they're important to the community, but we're going to focus on those areas where gaps were identified. Um, so just a, a little bit of clarification for that one there. Um, our next slide is just a little bit, um, we do have some new council members, of course, this year. Um, so there's just a little bit about the ask for this year. Our funding is the, the ask that we're, we have for our budget for this year is in line with 2019 to 2021. Um, there are no changes. And then the, the previous columns there just kind of show you, you know, where the library was at. So you have a little bit of that historical context around where that ask is coming from and where things have been at in the past. And um, the next slide is um, so new benefits for users. Um, so we now have email and phone membership renewals are available, which makes things easier if you're out of town and you suddenly, you know, you're on vacation, you're listening to audiobooks, and you suddenly can't access your account because it expired. So we can we can deal with that remotely at this point. Um, same thing with e-transfers so that just kind of facilitates some of that online um, usage. Um, the no more late fees really helps again, um, as well as the online registration for programs. Um, so again, that helps the people who are traveling, who are on the road, um, people who are busy. Um, it also helps um, some of the, the users. So we do have library users that are from our surrounding communities, and it's really helpful for them not to have to come in um, to register um, for those <coughs> programs in person, but in person is still available if that's a request for um, additionally, we are going forward with, we do still have a couple of virtual programs. Um, it's just opened up a world of things that we couldn't access before, like uh, partnerships with zoos. We've got one that's a partnership with the reptile zoo coming up. Um, you know, we can't, we can't, I, I, I say we can't do that. And I don't know if we have any snake enthusiasts among us or something, but um, we can't do that without those, that virtual use. So we're still keeping a few things, but we're very much back to normal. And, um, and then uh, just a gentle reminder that we still do have the new Trackback app. That's a PLS initiative, but it really does make things easier for people who are using it. Um, so I think that's us in a nutshell. Um, I will, if you would like, I can give, also give you a little bit of an update on the uh, bowling alley, on the sports grant that we just, we had in like that. Okay. Um, so. Of course, you guys uh, gave us the, we're very grateful to have the sports and recreation grant, um, $1,000 that was given to the library. We took that, we rented the bowling alley, and we ran a, uh, uh, a free day of bowling and mini golf and billiards, and it was a children's room, and then we put um, video games on the big screen. Um, I think that we had over 60 volunteer hours that day, which was great. We had a lot of volunteers come out for that. Um, and we had, um, I think one final number was 383 people come and access that. Um, it was, uh, the parking lot was filling up at uh, 10 o'clock. We didn't open until 1130. Um, so it was a very, very busy day. A lot of people very eager to get back out in the community. And, um, you know, those lanes were full from the moment we opened to the moment that we closed. It was it was a very successful event. Um, I think ultimately, you know, if we took that thousand dollars, we provided it for four hundred people participated. You know, two dollars and fifty cents a person. That's 
just can't get a better deal. It was really, really well done. Like we really had a great time with it. People really appreciated it. So I just want to say thank you for trusting the library to do something sports related. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Because of our Olympics, it made sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'd like to follow Channing's uh, thank you on behalf of the library board for seeing the value of that program. And like she said, $2.30 person seemed like it turned out a pretty good deal so thanks again to all of you on the table for recognizing the value of that so Channing has given us a great summary was there anything else that you wanted to was so we were circling to questions is where we were headed so you've also been provided uh we did the infogram which is sort of like a earth infographic graphic thank you um and so that just gives you like a little uh points uh, review of the year, which is really great. We pretty much put the data in and they spit this out. It's looks good. Oh, thanks, Ruth. It looks really, it, 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 they make it look really good for us. So have a look at that. Um, we provided you with the numbers in case there were some questions about any of that. I think that you can be really happy with the work that's being done at our municipal library. The staff there are, have uh, worked really hard over the last two years to continue to provide services and be a reflection of the, the work that the town of Sturban needs to have continued for its community. Any questions? I, uh, I, I'm the one that gets to ask for questions. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so many rules, I forgot that. Well, welcome, back, welcome back to it. <laughs> Very true. Uh, the, I'll start one. So the free little libraries, these are the little housey looking things in some of our neighbors' yards? No, actually, uh, sorry. Uh, no, actually, uh, the free, we did ours in partnership with um, the uh, hotels in town. So it provides some information about the library, the services that are available, um, as well as just provides an opportunity for them to interact with us. I mean, we are a library and art gallery, so always trying to get people over for that. Um, actually, interestingly, I reminded myself that one of the interesting things that came out of our uh, plan of service uh, survey was that the number one use for the library that was identified was going to see the art gallery that blew our minds um, that that was the that was the case so um, but yeah that was through them that said um, we have in the past like there, there have been a couple of times I think where some books have been provided to people for stocking those things um, as well as they can always, we have a we have a free shelf at the library as well. So, but those yeah, those ones are so cute. The ones that they uh, like, I've, I've seen a few around town. They're very, very nicely done. Yes, they are. It's but thank you. That really clears that up. I, I was I was sure in my mind that's what that was. So, so thank you. Any any well, if you got two go around or questions. What kind of questions are you guys answering at the library? And it's 4,900 4, questions. So what's a typical question you would answer? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, questions can be about, um, like, how do I, like, is there a food bank in town? Is there, uh, you know, is there, uh, you know, how do I register my kid for soccer? It can be, like, just about anything. Like, it can, it, it really can be quite broad. I mean, there's, I'm pretty sure that if you ask, you know, there's, there's 49,000 questions that were asked, I'd give, give you probably 49,000, or sorry, 4,900 different answers. Um, but it's, it's all sorts of questions. Uh, it's really just a reference service. Sometimes it's, you know, how do I learn more about this? Um, and we'll walk them through, you know, how they can, like, whether it's a library resource or occasionally it's, you know, connecting them with a community resource. Um, so, for instance, um, how do I write a resume? Um, so we might connect them. We'll, we'll talk with them to see, okay, what is the need here? What's their level? Um, because in some cases, they might just want to know, like, what's the best computer program to write a resume with? Um, and we probably recommend just use Word, and you can open a template. Um, but in other cases, you know, they might have uh, a little bit more of a need, and so we might refer them to... Um, to uh, Vision Learning Center. And usually if we have to make a referral, we'll be like, let's call Vision Learning Center and see, you know, are they available to help someone today so that we're helping to connect people with the resources that they need. Um, but that's a really 
big question as to what are they asking. Um, it's it's all over the place. Well, thank you guys very much for coming and for the good work that you all do and for uh, printing that little number at the bottom of the receipts when we get our books as to how much money we've saved. I love that one. I'm sure half of it is my daughter's on that. Thank Great. you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having thank us. You. All right. So next item on our agenda is another presentation for the Victor Five Plus Games. And as usual, name, rank, and serial number into the microphone. Please, thank you. Well, thank you, Deputy Scam Ward. My name is Richard Releaser. I am the chair of the host committee for the Alberta 55 Plus Summer Games, which will be hosted here in Peace River from June 16th to 19th of this year. And I'm here to share with the town of Peace River, just to be an update uh, as we prepare uh, to host the games here in the Peace Region. It's a fairly short presentation and uh, hopefully it leaves us enough time for questions from council. So Tanya's uh, flipped in the slides, I don't know. I, I'm literally flipping my own paper now, Richard, sorry. Okay, so <laughs> these are getting flipped as... They have a, a copy. In front of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so over the course of time, the commitment required uh, from the host communities has evolved from a time where the provincial government provided substantially all the required funding uh, to today where it's been more of a localized regional effort to host and fund the 55 plus games. Our region has been fortunate to have a, a group of municipal partners of which you are one uh, to assist the host committee in not only securing the bid, but also uh, being a major funder for the games themselves. Each municipality provided a grant of $15,000 in base funding to support the games, and this funding will be supplemented with our own fundraising efforts that we will be doing uh, in an attempt to reach our budget target. Uh, the committee has been also very lucky uh, to have a great team from the Town of Peace River, providing the host committee with administrative support keeping the group on track and focused. Uh, this group brings a wealth of experience from past games, which helps us methodically prepare for the games and avoid pitfalls along the way. In early September of last year, the committee sat down for a strategic planning session to share our perspectives and to establish both a vision and mission statement for the games committee to guide the group through the planning and ultimately the hosting of the games in the Peace Country. The committee wanted to focus on the athletes and do our best to make these games a fulfilling and enjoying, enjoying experience for all participants and their supporters who joined them coming north to the Peace Region. We know our community will be a welcoming host for what we hope will be a celebration when we really need one after what we've endured over the last two years. Healthy living through the promotion of lifelong fitness and active living are the key messages these games will bring to the people of our communities. And we hope that it inspires them to remain active as they age. Although we won't see it in dollars and cents, this I feel is the most substantial benefit to hosting these games, the health promotion to our aging population. Our administrative support group, which Tanya leads, uh, not only prepared this presentation, but also has been busy setting up our social media presence and our very own website. So I don't know if you can click on that, if it's connected. Yeah. We don't have the sharing capacity anymore, but if you're in the slideshow on the council agenda, you can... You can actually click on it, it'll go to yeah. the game site, and you can see how it's set up. There's a ribbon on the top with different things of the volunteers, the games themselves, uh, sponsorships, and whatnot. And then each, each one of those on that band has some drop-down menus. So, the idea is we're going to, as we move through this planning process, these sites are going to be built out and it's going to provide the participants, the volunteers and the community at large with all the relevant information that we're going to need uh, to host the games. We encourage you to visit the sites along the way, share, like, and link these pages uh, to help us expand our reach and our, uh, and our, of our marketing efforts for the games. 
The games timeline, the games will be held next June, beginning on the 16th, with registration and check-in at the Baytex, followed by opening ceremonies at the Mile Zero Multiplex in Grimshaw. <clears throat> the competitions themselves will commence the following day and will continue over the course of the next two days, potentially uh, carrying over into Sunday if they are required. And the games will conclude with a volunteer appreciation event to be held at the Baytex Energy Center. Uh, here are a list of the sports and activities for which some 900 participants from around the province will be competing here in Constricted. Many of the zone competitions have already been completed and the roster of athletes and participants is being compiled by each zone probably as we speak. Those who have qualified are already shoring up their, accommod their accommodations and their plans for the trip north. So even though we are still a ways out, people are already anxious to get ready and get things secured. Now, as a side note, uh, the 55 plus winter games registration has now closed and are complete. They now have over 1100 participants. So we're starting to rethink what our anticipated registrations will be. And we're starting to think about the logistics adjustments uh, we will need to make in the event we have substantially more participants. Um, being in the north, it's potentially that may be a barrier for some of the southern participants to come that distance. Uh, but uh, I think the Edmonton zone hosting the winter games, um, I think their numbers um, were quite a bit higher than uh, were anticipated given COVID was just uh, um, with us here and still is with us. So um, we might even get up into those kind of numbers up, up into 1100. If, uh, if things go good, I guess that's a good problem to have, but it, it might mean a few more additional headaches for us along the way. Uh, the good thing is, is we will have those uh, Winter Games uh, Committee uh, hosts to assist us in identifying some of the pressure points that they uh, they uh, endured uh, here with those extra participants and maybe we could uh, it'll assist us in aligning some of our resources to make sure that we don't have uh, the same issues that they have. The facilities, uh, our region boasts some fantastic venues for these games as you can see from the list. Uh, these venues are spread out across the region from St. Isidore to Dixonville. Uh, as you can see, a bulk, the bulk of activities will be here in Peace River, so you should see a great deal of activity here uh, during the four days of June. We hope our region has a lasting effect on the visitors who may be seeing the Peace Country for the first time. Uh, we're working with the Tourism Association and the Chamber of Commerce to market the region and promote early arrivals or extended stays and communicate with our participants and their entourages about things to see and do while they are here. Our two multi-use facilities will be the key hubs uh, for activities and gatherings throughout the games. Our communities are very proud of these facilities and are excited to showcase them to our participants, along with the St. Isidore Cultural Center, which was recently completely renovated and upgraded. If you visit the website, you will find a section on volunteers, which provides interested people an opportunity to join with us in hosting this amazing event. There is a huge volunteer requirement with upwards of 200 volunteers needed to fill all the roles from sports coordinators to venue managers to a range of volunteer positions as part of each sport and activity during the active competition. We'll be calling on our communities to assist us in making these games a success. So we hope that you spread the word, raise the awareness and actively join us as volunteers. These games will likely see over 1,000 people visiting our communities, the restaurants, the hotels, the campgrounds. And many participants will be bringing with them spouses, some as teammates, but some as supporters. All of these people will drive a nice bump in economic activity at a time when it will be dearly needed. We know our businesses will be great ambassadors for the region and bring the welcoming spirit this region has, been de has demonstrated time and again. As I mentioned before, I believe the lasting impact of these games comes from the inspiration these athletes bring to our own 55 plus population and, 
as they demonstrate the health benefits of lifelong activity. A healthy community is a happy community, and if these games can inspire our citizens to remain active, engaged, we'll have accomplished our goals. The Town of Peace River is a significant contributor to the operation of the games. Uh, the Games Committee would like to highlight and acknowledge these contributions. Now, Tanya sent over the uh, presentation earlier. I made some edits, so this is one area where I did some edits. Uh, she put down staff support. Well, what I added to it was these three members of your staff, Tanya, Zoe Batty, and Amanda, Amanda Cottrell. Uh, each one of these staff members have provided integral support to each one of our coordinators, as well as administrative support to the host committee as a whole. They do meeting prep, finance and budget development, fundraising, marketing, and web content, as well as coordinating with each of the committee coordinators for scheduling tasks and problem-solving problem functions. We are so grateful for their support and thankful to the town for providing the support to our hosting efforts. So that I added, so she wasn't uh, going to blow her own horn, but she needs to sometimes. Uh, town facilities, uh, Baytech Center is the registration center and we'll be hosting pickleball. The Peace Regional Pool will host swimming. Golf with Davis Event Center is the location for bocce ball. And the Ken Hornland Ball Diamonds will host a slow pitch competition. Uh, additional in-kind uh, donations that the town will be making. Uh, these requests will be forwarded through to the CAO. Uh, these are items such as barricades and signage, assistance with tent setup and similar setup takedown support, as well as the use of the electronic signage to promote the event. And uh, in closing, uh, the committee would like to extend and uh, save the date to the mayor and council to the opening ceremonies, which will be held on Thursday evening, June 16th, and a formal invitation will be forwarded by the events committee. Thank you very much for the opportunity and we'll open it up to any questions you might have. Well, thanks so much. And we are looking forward to receiving that invitation. I think after watching our town staff take care of the uh, emergency evacuation from the fire a number of years ago, like, <laughs> that's that's even more people with no warning. So we have no doubt that you guys are in good hands with them uh, helping you out there. So you, you had mentioned um, still some fundraising things, which probably is every group's larger challenge because it all flows from there. So um, what's what's the other largest challenge that you think you guys are, are looking to face? Well, I think definitely volunteers. Uh, it's, a, it's a big undertaking to find 200 volunteers to, uh, to provide the support that each one of those events and those uh, sporting activities uh, require. That's anything from you know, managing the ball diamond grounds crews and um, and uh, base pumps and uh, you know just getting the fields ready for play. Uh, bocce uh, will take really a, the building of the entire uh, uh, facility at the at the at Twelfth of Davis uh, ball diamonds or event center. I guess um, um, you got uh, scorekeeping and uh, results that have to be. Uh, kept up and then inputted to put on uh, to the website. Uh, we might even FaceTime live some of the competitions so that uh, people from around the province can see that. Uh, you know, just everything under the sun. So, uh, you know, finding volunteers is going to be a big effort. I don't know what we're sitting at as, as far as the numbers are. Uh, we have 100 already, so we're doing good. Uh, you know, with the uh, with the numbers maybe being higher than what we we think, um, we're going to have uh, you know some issues with transportation, uh, the logistics of all of that. Uh, you know, we're we're scrounging uh, to find uh, uh, the the different vehicles that could potentially provide us the the, the numbers uh, to get the people to where they need to be in a timely fashion, uh, and then we're trying to adjust the schedules to make that work. This is in June 16th, 16th, 17th. So uh, Peace River School Division buses will be being used at the time. 
And so um, during those hours when kids are being transported to school, those buses aren't available. So, um, you know, we're trying to work the schedule. So it's, it's some uh, logistics work and, and we're trying to, uh, you know, find some other buses available to us to, to supplement uh, those school buses when they aren't available on, uh, on the Saturday particular to get people out to those first day of competitions and then back to their hotels and then back to the banquet on Friday night. So, yeah. And yeah, especially if there's more people than we had you know, anticipated. We were worried for a while that uh, we would have very low numbers because of, of COVID, but uh, you know, just the numbers out of the Winter Games is demonstrating how eager people are to get out and do something and, and enjoy, uh, enjoy life a bit uh, after two years of being cooped up. And do you get to put down your uh, chairman's gavel and participate at all during these games? Yes, I did. I qualified in pickleball, so I'm pickleball at Apex. Well, congratulations, sir. Any other? Uh, I'm going to go the same way, though, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you. Good at it. How many people do you expect at this point? You mentioned 1,100 for Edmonton. How many competitors, roughly, are you expecting at this point? We have, they asked us to, um, and again, this is kind of COVID related. Um, we're kind of questioning whether we should have done that, but uh, the provincial committee asked us to extend their deadline. Uh, because some of the competitions hadn't been completed last fall, uh, particularly the area of slow pitch, um, because of COVID, uh, they couldn't get those competitions and those zone playdowns where there's more than one team coming. They have to have a playdown in their zone. Um, so, you know, depending on how the weather goes, some of that stuff won't get, you know, going until into May. And uh, so initially, I think, End of March was our deadline, or beginning of April. So I think we extended it to the end of April. Yeah. So we don't actually know the numbers, um, but what we're going to do, we just had a discussion about it. Is we want them all of the information that they have at their disposal, all of those competitions, those own competitions that have been completed. We ask them to please compile all that stuff so we can start preparing and get ready for you know, moving people around because uh, that's going to be a very difficult task because there is some zones that are coming up with uh, coach buses, bringing their uh, athletes up uh, with coaches. So they're expecting uh, to be transported to and from the venues uh, for their competitions. So, uh, I mean, people in this area are probably all going to be driving their own vehicles, you know, depending on how far you travel. You know, the southern zones are probably where those people are coming from, not coaches. So we have to come up with some strategies to get that done. And it really is based on numbers. So we're pushing them to get us all the information we can as soon as we can. And some things have been long done, like lots of the zone competitions have long been completed. So, um, you know, I don't know when they're all going to put it in one package and send it to us. That's not really what we're we're hoping for when you, you know, start planning. Even just to know how many people, how many pickleball players will be at Baytex, how many people are we gonna be moving forward to Baytex in the morning, and, and how many, uh, you know, courts are we gonna be using, stuff like that, all of that helps. And, and then to turn around and sh shut those competitions down at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, so that everybody can get to that hotel shower and then it's off to, Grimshaw for, for the banquet, so, yeah. And does the banquet, like, band, venue, supper, all the all the trappings of a... Yeah, Terry and Marine, so Jeff um, are managing that. Uh, they have quite a bit of experience in doing that. Um, and uh, so, again, numbers are going to dictate on how we run that. If, uh, if we have to, we'll have two different sittings and some of the, you know, we can, you know, schedule our, our games events so that those, maybe the golfers are going to be laid on off the golf course so they can be the second sitting of, 
of the meal sort of thing and then uh, or we can have a section uh, that is just the mingling area until the second sitting is ready and uh, you know work that way and then get everybody back to their uh, places uh, and then ready for the next day because we have competitions the next day so. Um, Councillor Ford, is Councillor Shannon able to, um, I, I, I don't want to miss her if she has any questions or anything. Councillor Shannon? Can, but, but Ford, <laughs> I believe you're the only person remaining. Okay, um, I think I want to know about lodging. How many hotel rooms were you having to secure and how, even at the cars, like, it's not like you can throw them all in the gym like we sometimes say on mass or anything so I'm just kind of curious as to how that's um, coming along and I'm trying to get you lots of volunteers I'm working hard on that so and uh, yeah I just wondered about the lodging part thank you yeah we uh, I think we've spoken with most of the hotels they have a block of rooms ready for us uh, again we thought we were into the 800 900 participants and if it goes over that then I mean it's going to be tight um, but uh, again we're working with the campsites uh, we know some local people will be uh, putting people up that they know from other areas of the province and uh, that will supplement uh, the hotels that we have but um, I think there is enough accommodations in the town of Peace River to, to handle what, uh, what's coming all right good news um, if there aren't any more questions, we'll wish you the best of luck and uh, see you at the banquet scene and give you the rest of your evening. Ceremony. Opening ceremonies is what I meant to say. My apologies. We can't afford to pay you. No, that's okay. <laughs> unless you, I, unless you I, I'm involved in the budget, I know. Volunteers <laughs> <laughs> do get uh, absolutely. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Mr. Um, we have no bylaws or unfinished business to deal with, but we have some new business, a couple items of which are coming uh, out of discussions with our GDP. So first up is the value of deficient parking policy. And if I actually click on that link, it tells me that Mr. McQuaig is presenting. Yes, thank you, Deputy Mayor and Council. Uh, so before you, you have uh, the value for uh, parking uh, request for decision to repeal that uh, particular bylaw. We discussed that particular bylaw at the GMP where council indicated that they wish to rescind that particular bylaw. And that was on March 7th. Mr. McQuaid, just it, the policy. Rescind the policy. Rescind the policy. Thank you. Uh, so, to rescind uh, policy P61 1987 01, the value of parking policy. So, uh, Council uh, requested that be brought back to the next regular meeting. So, before you tonight, there's uh, two options. Option one is that P61-1987-01, the value addition parking policy be rescinded, or option two, that council retains P61-1987-01, the value addition parking policy. All right, so given that it's basically a piece of dead policy in the end anyways, the chair will entertain the motion. I'll move the, the, the P60, pardon, the P61-1987-01, the value of the efficient parking policy be rescinded. Any discussion further? Votes in favor? And that would be carried. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Aye. So she says aye. Okay, excellent. So thank you very much, Mr. McQuaig. We have uh another policy this one involved some i seem to be missing someone in the gallery here yes miss mcquake 
will speak for the taxation cancellation policy in lieu of um, for Wednesday. And this one had some public consultation. It did, Mr. Deputy Mayor. So this policy came before council on the 7th of February. Uh, in response to, we get two or three requests per annum for council to consider waiving tax penalties of, for one reason or another. We did an analysis. Um, since 2014, council's been asked to waive over $90,000 in taxes and penalties for various reasons. To date, they've approved about 4,500 of that. But the front end staff and council themselves don't have a structure to help them in this decision making process. So we surveyed various other municipalities and jurisdictions to come up with something that was consistent, acknowledged that there can be errors, not the fault of the taxpayer, uh, included some compassionate reasons, and came up with the proposed policy. We put this out to public engagement. And I, interestingly, there are currently three documents out for public engagement. The purchasing policy has been out the longest and has had no responses to date. The encroachment policy has been out for a week, possibly two, and has received only one response. This one received 11, um, many of them in the first few hours upon being posted. So we did attach the commentary. They were generally well thought out, um, some quite strong, but nonetheless courteous. Of the 11, eight were firmly in favor of not waiving penalties. Uh, two expressed concern about uh, errors beyond the control of the homeowner, generally tied to land titles, which is currently running three to four months Director Bill, how long did it take for us to transfer Saigatawa? It's an averaging around four months right now. There was other hiccups with that, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and one person who felt that uh, council should be much freer and particularly with regard to waiving taxes for businesses. So we looked at the concern about uh, beyond the control of the taxpayer around land titles. We did have a case last year where an individual purchased a house, um, had the previous tax certificate, the previous year's taxes were all reconciled, was living in the house, paying the bills, but land titles was held up, came in in June and said, can I please have my tax information? I need to pay my taxes. We couldn't give this individual that information because his name wasn't on the title. We would have had to charge him $20 for a tax certificate to get his own tax bill, which seemed manifestly unreasonable. So we did some consultation and uh, I talked to the CAO. So we have developed a new procedure that gives us a little bit more latitude in accepting documentation that somebody can demonstrate through means other than land titles that they are in fact the owner of the property and entitled that information, we will release it so that they can pay their taxes. So with that in place, and as there was no other public concerns regarding the content of the policy, we ask if council wants to consider approving the policy as presented. And the, the presented policy does have that accommodation in it. That's an administrative com accommodation, so it's okay. not part of the policy. Okay, I see. So, okay. it, yeah. Because I did run into that exact scenario nearly entirely without costing $20. But it, it, it's just, I mean, it is what it is. So, yeah. is it what it is? But this also, we're going to develop an administrative policy to staff, a directive to staff that says, you know, under these conditions, this is what you do. It's very simple for us to pick up a phone and call the lawyer and say, we have a letter on your letterhead from this individual. Did you, in fact, generate this? Yes. Okay. They are the owner. Take boo. Let's uh, get the resident taken care of in an appropriate and thoughtful manner. And this policy is really brief. It is very straightforward. There wasn't a lot to it. And the other policies that we examined didn't have a lot of detail to them. Some of them did say, we will not. And it listed the reasons. You know, I've paid my taxes on time for 30 years. I was out of the country. 
you know, it lists reasons that we that you will not, but we just wanted to keep it fairly brief. Um, I keep starting at the same side, though. I'm sorry. So, any uh, questions? Or no questions. Warnings. No questions. Um, Councillor Shannon, did you have anything that you wanted to uh, ask of administration? Nope. nope. Thank you. Well, hearing nothing but silence, I guess we can perhaps take a motion on that. Well, I'd do it, but I can't. Councillor Good, once again. I'll move that we approve the proposed tax revenue cancellation policy as Okay, so Sorry about that. Yeah, I was just option one. I moved option one. The council approves proposed tax penalty cancellation policy as presented. I'm assuming there is no further discussion prior to calling the vote. Uh, all in favor? Councilor Shannon? You are firmly favored. Excellent. Fantastic work to you and your department. And if you could pass that on to Director uh, Wedgefield, that would be also great so that being done uh, I, I see you're not moving back so the next item is indeed yours uh, this has no recommendation on it uh, this is something that is just presented for council's information correct that is correct mr. deputy mayor this is presented in my capacity as returning officer for the municipal election uh, there has been there were numerous changes to the legislation regarding uh, campaign filing requirements, uh, one of which is that following the deadline, we were to send a notice to uh, candidates who had not yet filed. Uh, there is an assessment of a late filing penalty. Uh, if they did not file within an additional 10 days, we were required to present an informational report to council and make that report public. And that is what this report is. It, lists the candidates uh, 10 who have not at this point submitted any campaign statement or campaign disclosure statement now the report also um, mentions a couple other candidates that are as we've heard you know from this chair before it's in the pipeline two of the persons on the list one submitted a an incomplete disclosure prior to the deadline they were immediately notified that it was incomplete, but they did not complete it prior to the deadline. A second person uh, submitted it after the deadline. It is remains incomplete, and they've not yet rectified that by the 10 days, so their name was also included on the list. And so if the name is not on the list, these are candidates in good standing, their paperwork is complete. And we, yes, we sent out, at the deadline, there were 12 candidates outstanding of the 24. Um, once we sent out the penalty notices, three submitted right away. Two were complete and accepted. The third was not and was notified. And this isn't something that is anything to do with the no. municipality with that all whatsoever no this is not an attempt to shame or be mean spirit on the part of the municipality this is a requirement under the local authorities elections act as is the assessment of the penalty fee which is a provincial statute it's completely outside the municipal control okay um are, are there any comments from the floor go ahead um no real comments um Deputy Mayor, but I put a motion on the floor to accept the uh, briefing note as information. Thank you very much, Councillor. Um, Mr. Carr? So, is it possible someone will still submit their papers or is it just too late for that? No, um, in fact, they are encouraged to submit their papers. They are still required to submit their papers. On the 1st of April, we are required under the legislation to send a reminder notice regarding the any outstanding uh, penalties not yet paid. The A candidate must file if they, if a candidate were to file on April 2nd, for example, three, they would not be eligible for nomination until three years following that date. 
if they do not file, it is eight years from the date that the report went to council. So it would be March 12th, 2030, before they would be eligible for office. And we are required to submit this information to the election commissioner and offenses under some elections act can affect eligibility for office under other acts. I'm not sure what the impact is, but I do know that if you have a federal uh, violation under the federal act, you're not eligible for municipal. I don't know whether it goes upward or not, but that would be something that a candidate might want to consider. Councillor Shannon, do you have any questions for administration? No questions, but um, I just put a question on it when I back if we could at some point. Once the mayor is back as well. Oh, that's all. For like, you would like to see this item back on a future agenda? Uh, yes, I would. Okay. Um, potentially that could happen through the chair or notice of motion, I suppose, or there's a number of avenues for that. So, oh, excellent. Other, oh, Kip. Um, yeah, it's provincial legislation, so we have no control over it. We have, we have none. It is legislatively this has the same power as a traffic ticket or a liquor license violation under the ALGC. It is not anything that the town has the authority to waive. Well, I don't know that there was flavor to waive. It's just a further yeah. discussion. Or... Fair enough. So there's avenues for that if councillors want things back on future agendas, I suppose. And, and uh, otherwise, we, we do have a motion on the floor to accept for information. Last call for any discussion before voting. Go ahead, Councillor. I'm oh, sorry. Um, I just checked here, and actually, it doesn't have to be on the agenda. I can find out the information or whatever I want from. Yeah, so it doesn't have to be on an agenda. Oh, okay. If you accept information, that's fine. Okay, I'll call for the vote. Those in favor? And uh, Councillor Shannon, we do have to record your. Your vote. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'll take that as in favor. It uh, yeah. takes us from new business into reports. Um, so we did receive the corporate services CAO monthly report, and we have exactly zero people from that corner of administration here. Ms. McQuaig. Oh, Ms. McQuaig, our legislative services coordinator is indeed in the building. Thank you. Sorry. I do apologize to council. I did uh, convey to the mayor that this report would, report would be delayed a week as both myself and the CAO were unavailable to prepare it. So it was not uh, an attempt to simply fail to report. We did advise the mayor that it was coming a week late, but I apologize because I should have communicated it to the whole council. Well, in my opinion, you're forgiven, but you'll have to seek absolution from everyone else around the table at some other time. Um, are you are you prepared to take questions on this report at all? Provided anyone around the table has any, I guess. I am good for about sixty percent, so I'll, I'll do my best. I have none. Are there others that wish? Only a comment. Uh, I'm saying this because I. The, the pictures actually moved me considerably, the Bella and the puppies. I mean, it's nice to have some really good news once in a while. And like, yeah, what can you say? That's like good news all over it. So. I have a feeling that with the uh, popularity that that post received and the number of shares it received on our social media, that those puppies are probably already spoken for. <laughs> and that is that is good news to have so um we'll do that and uh the following report in one motion so we've got here the peace library system board meeting highlights and our representative representative in that 
regard is the mayor, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I suppose we can't grill her on what I'm sure is some very interesting information coming out of that, but the council has read it. So if nothing else from these reports, I will accept a motion to receive for information. You again? Oh, Councillor Boychuk. <laughs> Sorry, Councillor Good. Okay, Councillor Boychuk makes a motion. All in favor? Councilor Shannon, we, we do need to have your vote. <laughs> and uh, all right. that's quite all right. We are looking forward to seeing you in person at the next meeting, and I guess I'll see you tomorrow. So further down here, we have nothing under information. Um, I'm assuming the uh, acting CAO has not received any notices of motion. None. Um, there is one do you count as public? Probably not, Mr. Ganass. I think you count as media. So we'll we'll move to key communication items. And this, welcome back to having you in person. We we yes. we love having you guys around. So any anything you would like to uh, highlight for us? No, fine. Good. Um, I'll move to our communications coordinator. What uh, what say you? Um. Hopefully you can hear me okay. I'll try to project. Um, I believe that both presentation items are uh, notable, as well as all three new business items and the reports are all key communication items that I'd like to share. All right, fantastic. And you've been doing a wonderful job with the communication I must add as well. So looking forward to seeing what you have for everyone to share around on the social medias and otherwise. Um, we have nothing in closed session and I will take a motion to adjourn. From Councillor Ford, all in favor? And Councillor Shannon, oh, she's there. Okay, great. We are adjourned. Yeah. Thank you very much at 6.07.